We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Campaigning in 2016 was such a different experience. One of the things that she pointed out, which I think Elizabeth Warren has uh, adapted, which is, you know, it used to be when you work a rope line, you have a minute or two to just talk to people and hear what their concerns are, what their issues are. In 2016, people just wanted a selfie. So, you know, you're kind of going along at selfie, 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 but you never get that personal interaction, which means, you know, one of the things that I think is so valuable, also having worked on her Senate campaign in New York, when you have those conversations, people have the opportunity to walk away and say, wow, that was really an important moment. I think she really understood what I was talking about and how important the dairy compact is or healthcare is. Um, and what I think Warren has done so wisely is that her events, she does selfies, but people line up. So she still has a moment of interaction with people and they get the selfie. The political primary season is heating up, but we cannot stop talking and thinking about the last Democratic nominee, Hillary Clinton. Her shadow looms so large over the current race. So I called my friend Karen Finney, who was a communications advisor and a senior spokesperson on that 2016 campaign, so we can have a look inside campaigns in general and a look into what it was like to be inside the Hillary campaign during the ride and the end and since then. I supported Hillary from day one of her campaign. And while I think some things could have been done better, I'm still proud of her. And I still want to cry thinking about election night. Karen wells up when we get to that part of the story. It is heavy. As faithful listeners of the show know by now, this is the Patreon era of Torrey show where we do two episodes a week. So everyone gets to listen to 30 minutes of Karen for free. But if you want the rest of her story, and it gets a lot heavier as we go on, join us at patreon.com slash show for the rest of this ep. And if you contribute to the show at patreon.com slash show, you'll get access to our Friday Patreon-only exclusives. This week, it's the amazing actress Joy Bryant talking so much about growing up poor and the joy she now feels when she goes into a supermarket knowing she can buy anything she wants. 
We got so many cool people coming up on the Friday Patreon exclusives, including Morris Day, Joe Budden, ZZ Packer, and more. So please head over to patreon.com slash Show and support our growing team so we can continue to make amazing shows for you, including this one this week with the awesome Karen Finney on Torrey Show. You worked for Hillary. <laughs> yes. Why'd she lose? <sighs> there are a lot of reasons. Um, I think the the ones that come top of mind are, you know, when it came down to it, obviously she won roughly 3 million more votes than Trump in the popular vote. It right. really came down to the Electoral College. Right. And that's a, that ended up being about 70,000 votes in like Michigan, Pennsylvania, kind of the cluster of states. And the truth is, one way to look at it is that if you look at the numbers of people who voted for Gary Johnson or um, Jill Stein, Stein, that was it right there. That could have made the difference. But you can't say... But Jill Stein, Gary Johnson voters would have voted for Hillary in the absence of Gary and Jill. We don't know. Because what we do know is that some people felt like they were, it was a a protest vote. And so, and because there was so much hype that Hillary was going to win, you know, I think a lot of people felt like, okay, well, that gives me the freedom to go and either not vote or vote for someone else. I mean, it's hard to, to, disaggregate all the reasons. I mean, some of it, sure, there were people who just didn't like Hillary and didn't want to vote for Hillary. But there also, we know there were a lot of um, uh, shenanigans going on with the Russians and the bots. True. Um, And we've actually seen recently new activity around some of those uh, Russian bots. And we expect that there'll be some activity in this election. There's already been some reported and we know that there, we expect that there will be more. You know, you could also say Jim Comey was not helpful. Not helpful. One, one of the things I find ironic is that one of the arguments that people were making was, well, if Hillary is the president, there would be just so much drama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, thank goodness there's no drama. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, there are, a whole, there are a lot of different reasons. And part of it also is, let's be honest, I mean, I also worked for Stacey Abrams in 2018. It is still, I believe it is not impossible for a woman to win, and I think we should change our whole narrative around that. But at the same time, you know, male voters were hard. I mean, when we look at African-American voters and Latino voters, women, I always like to say, we showed up and we did our thing. It was hard for her. the male voters were, uh, and also white, some white um, college educated voters. I know that's been part of the narrative. Um, but I, so I think part of it is just, we've got to, as a culture, stop having this conversation about can a woman win and can a woman be the president, be the commander some in chief? men are not ready to vote for a woman still. Correct. I've now seen, you know. Some women too. Sure. I mean, that's not... Maybe older women who may be saying, like, should be a man in charge. That's what they're also... I guess my the issue with men is that it was young... There were It was men of a certain generation that you would expect to not have some of those biases. Millennial men. Sure. Why do you say sure? Yes, yes. <laughs> some millennial men were saying it should be a man in charge. I mean, look, 
like I say, it's complicated, right? Because culture is complicated. So there are a lot of different strands that we can pull on. Like I said, like Comey and the Russians and the this and the that. Um, You know, so it was in some ways it was like a perfect storm of a lot of different things. You didn't in all that you, you didn't criticize your candidate at all. I'm happy to, you know, I also believe, sure. I, look, I think that, and it's, I, I, this is more the campaign. I think we could have done a better job reaching out to um, African-American voters, reaching out to, we should have, I would have liked to see her go to Wisconsin. I think that would have been, that was important. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are certainly tactical mistakes as well. But it's hard, you know, when you see how overwhelmingly she won in the popular vote and when you learn about some of the other things that were going on under the surface, that's why it's hard to suss out how, you know, what, I don't think there was one thing. I think there was a combination of things. Of of course, it was certainly, it was. And I don't think we'll ever know. And frankly, I think that's part of why in some ways 2016 will never be, is so unsettling because we may never know what really happened, quite frankly. I mean, you know, I was a Hillary supporter from day one. Um, my wife and my daughter knocked on doors in Philadelphia. I was there with them, but I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and we were at that final night thing with Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first lady spoke and everyone lost their mind. And <laughs> the president spoke and everyone lost their mind. Yeah. And when Hillary came up, there was a, a, a the energy dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, there was not an ability to command the crowd with the mic that the others, um, even her husband, were just did so easily. And I feel like she's partly a victim of the campaign is not a. Uh, is not a good test of governing that she was not the best campaigner, but she would have been a great president. Sure. I I think that's absolutely right. Look, I also think, you know, campaigning in 2016, we've, uh, there'd been a lot of conversation about this was such a different experience. One of the things that she pointed out, which I think Elizabeth Warren has, uh, adapted, which is, you know, it used to be when you work a rope line, you have a minute or two to just talk to people and hear what their concerns are, what their issues are. In 2016, people just wanted a selfie. So, you know, you're kind of going along at selfie, 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 but you never get that personal interaction, Um, which means, you know, one of the things that I think is so valuable, also having worked on her Senate campaign in New York, when you have those conversations, people have the opportunity to walk away and say, wow, that was really an important moment. I think she really understood what I was talking about and how important the dairy compact is or healthcare is. Um, And what I think Warren has done so wisely is that her events, she does does selfies, but people line up to do the selfie. So she still has a moment of interaction with people, and that and they get their of picture. Talking is important to really bind them as a as a supporter. I think it's, it's important both for the candidate and for the for voters or supporters. I think it does. It gives you a personal interaction. And look, one of the things about Hillary, and I've worked with her since the '90s. There's so much out there that is put on her and assumed about her that is has nothing to do with who she really is. I mean, she has been so demonized and characterized mm-hmm. for so long that I think 
you know, part of it is breaking that down and just having a moment to talk to her, I think is really important. And, and, you know, I'll tell you one of the things that was so interesting in our campaign, she felt it was very important that any idea we put forward, we had to be able to say how we would pay for it. Because in her mind, she said, look, I don't want, I, that's being honest. We have to be honest and transparent with people. I'm not going to just throw out ideas that we can't, that I know we can't pay for. And it was really a challenge because then you had Bernie talking about free college. And I, you know, I sat next to the policy people and they tried time and time again. They're like, we just can't make the numbers work, which is part of how, you know, we evolved to sort of debt-free college or some different, you know, similar, but slightly different. And, you know, to my mind, like that's the integrity. Like for those people who, you know, we heard people say things like, oh, she's just as corrupt as Trump. Well, that's absolutely not true. A lot of that was also what was happening online with Facebook and all that. But, you know, when you tried to say, well, actually everything is paid for in part because she doesn't want to put forward an idea just to sell you something that we know we can't do, you know, that didn't have the same resonance with people as I might have expected. And it's interesting now in 2020 that uh, we're having this conversation again. You know, you've seen uh, some of the fellas attacking Elizabeth Warren about how she'll pay for her, uh, her plans. But I haven't seen the men have to talk as much about how much they'll pay pay for their plans. Mm. So I, maybe I'm saying there's a double standard when it comes to women candidates, when there's, it comes to executive office. There's um, definitely a double standard. Of course there is. What is it that people who don't know Hillary don't understand about her as somebody who's worked with her for many years and really knows her? She is an incredibly thoughtful person she is someone who is re- thinks about solving problems, right? She is one of these people who, how do we solve this problem? Like healthcare to her was, okay, how do we solve the problem? If we can't do healthcare, can we do children? Can we do, you know, and just very much of the way what I've seen of her, you know, when she traveled around the world and talked about economic empowerment of women and girls, I mean, think about how important that has been. I mean, now we can look back on that. Um, If you look at what's happened in Ireland, you know, she was instrumental in helping the women they're organized and they became a very important voice in ending the troubles. Um, so, and again, it's okay. How do we solve this problem? These women from both sides want to get together. How can I help them? What can we do? What can we offer? Um, so I, I think they, people don't realize that that's her true motivation. Um, she's also just a very caring, kind person, someone who will, you know, when I worked for her, how are you? How's your power? Your parents, you look tired. What's going on? Um, and you know, it's interesting, you know, genuinely, I'll give you another example. You know, she, um, in the campaign, you know, we try to, you know, the, the whole conversation about the crime bill. Uh, and one of the things that I thought was so unfair was she was being held accountable for President Clinton's legislation, and yet no one was willing, wanted was really interested in all the things she'd actually tried to do as senator when she actually had a vote. Mm. And so that's what I say when I say like there's just a lot that's been put on her, but you don't, but they don't always see kind of that layer of who she really is and judging her based on um, her ideas and her accomplishments and sort of and and what she's actually done instead of what you may think she's done. And look, the other thing I think about Hillary Clinton is 
you know, she's been the tip of the spear for a long time for women. I mean, I remember very clearly in the 90s, you know, she was the first kind of working woman uh, first lady. Although, you know, I grew up with a single mom who worked outside the home. So, you know, that didn't seem so weird to me. But she was a fundamental difference. It was very different. It was very shocking to a lot of people in America. It was very like, whoa, what is this? She's not this ceremonial tea person who's just hanging out. Right. Which didn't mean that she didn't care about all that stuff as well. Right. So I remember one day she said it, right. She started it. I'm not just some cookie bacon. Like, (laughs) but I think, you know, if you look back on that, I think her point was, I'm not naive. I know what I've got myself into is really what she was talking about. She wasn't necessarily talking about baking cookies. Because of course, right then after they put out a cookie recipe, which, (laughs) but no, I mean, you know, I remember one day very clearly having a conversation with a reporter in the 90s and just the they were asking you know what did she do today and i said well she had she you know you saw she testified on the hill this morning on healthcare she came back to the white house there was a meeting on the south africa state dinner because nelson mandela was coming and then i think now she's up in the residence with chelsea helping her with her homework cuz that was something that was really important to her like was to be there when chelsea got home and this reporter man said to me You expect me to believe that Hillary Clinton cares about the linens for a dinner, state dinner? And I said, first of all, it's Nelson Mandela. So, of course. And I said, second of all, what does your wife do all day? Does she work? Does she help your kid? Does she make dinner? Because that's, it's, you know, this is what we, this is what we do. This is how women, you know, these are our, this is our life. So don't assume just because she's, incredibly smart and gifted when it comes to policy that she's not able to also say, hey, let's have Whitney Houston perform because Nelson Mandela said that when he was in jail on Robben Island, he got to see the bodyguard and that was so important to him to be able to have some contact with the outside world, that that he was a big fan of Whitney Houston. Why is that so crazy? That partly drives to me the notion of how little men understand women at (laughs) times. (laughs) And I remember being younger and being like, when my friend comes over, we go play football or we play backgammon or chess or we play basketball or we play tennis. And our girlfriends or, you know, our females, they just talk. What are they doing? (laughs) Like they don't do anything. And then later as they're like reading more and learning more, I'm like, no, the talking is the thing. Yeah, and their that's right. brains have literal talk centers that are larger and more complex than ours. <laughs> so they love great conversation, and that's the thing. And like, oh, because right? we're we're less evolved, so we need to do <laughs> stuff. And for them, just talking is really valuable and important. And like, just you know, just just how little we understand. But also, you look. I have. Long believe this is part of the mythology, right, around our gender roles because it's not, you know, it's not just that women have that, men have that capacity. And I think as we are willing to, like, I mean, as a, I, you're a father, you love your children, you would help them with their homework, you would help them with whatever they needed. Why wouldn't, right? So this assumption that, well, this, you know, you would cook them dinner if, if you're I cook them dinner all the time. So there you go. So point being th- this, you know, there are within our, there's some fluidity around 
who cooks dinner, who helps the kids with their homework, who goes to work every day, who go, right? We and I think part of what was happening in the '90s, and I think we, you know we continue to see this evolving, and certainly in politics, you know, this executive leadership is still the hardest thing for women to crack. Um, because there is something, there's this dynamic about some of the research has shown people are a little uncomfortable with women with too much power. Uh, and that's something we have to get over. And that is also part of, you know, when we are more comfortable with women's roles, it also frees up more opportunity for men. And I think that's a dynamic that is kind of constantly being renegotiated, probably on the interpersonal level every day. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. 
If you love Torre's show and you miss the days of me talking about politics on MSNBC, and really, who doesn't, then check out my other podcast, Democracy-ish, where I sit with Danielle Moody-Mills and argue and strategize about the 2020 race from a Black and progressive perspective. The journey of America to Trump begins in large part with Rush Limbaugh. This is a horrible disgusting human being. You can find Democracy-ish wherever podcasts are streamed. All right, back to Torre Show. So many men who say, you know, I don't get to see my kids enough. I don't get to spend enough time with my kids. And or kids who are, who are grow, grow up and say, didn't see my dad as much as I would have liked. And right. I imagine men feeling guilty hearing that, but feeling purpose-driven I show my love by like working 16 hours a day, which leaves me getting home after bedtime. And that's how I showed who I am in the family and how I showed. And that's my my job. That's That's my my role. Yeah. That's what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, is when the mom can take uh, some of that off his plate, he can be more of the, you know, the dad at home with the kids and. That's good for the kids and the dad and the mom. Absolutely. It's good for everybody. It's good for the family because everybody is getting to do what feels true to who they are. What was it like inside dealing with this other force? Trump was a candidate unlike any we had ever seen. He was dishonest. He was a fantasy candidate. He's stoking white supremacy. And Hillary was like pointing it out. And watching media, I, I don't know what, like sort of like taking what she was saying and running with it in the wrong direction and treating him like entertainment. Yeah, I'll tell you, it was it was like nothing I have ever experienced. But it's something that I talk a lot about with regard to 2020 that, and it's, you know, one of the things that I think we don't give uh, the Biden campaign enough credit for. I mean, he's been under attack from Trump for a very long time, and he still maintained a healthy position in the polls. And what I think people don't fully understand is, from what I can tell, that's like just tapping the gas on what I think the barrage of whenever we have our nominee uh, and what Trump and his campaign will do. And it's not just the candidate, it's the campaign that has to be prepared to figure, you know, dissect the incoming and decide what really matters that we need to respond to and how do we then deal with some of this other stuff? So as an example, you know, the other thing I would tell you in 2016, remember that during the primary, Hillary was being attacked by all the Republicans and by Bernie. Uh, and, and, but, and that was hard, but a lot of the, the attacks were the kind of typical male, female attacking Hillary, you know, uh, so that was kind of that was not as hard as when we got to Trump, and I'll never forget when he announced we were uh, at, at headquarters in Brooklyn, and he talked about Mexicans being rapists and murderers, and that was day one, I, day one, <laughs> and I literally looked at one of my colleagues and said, "Now is that the floor or the ceiling?" Mm. Little do we know, there's not doesn't apparently there isn't a ceiling. There isn't right? a ceiling. You guys um, didn't take him seriously at that point. You know, nobody was, did. We we didn't because it was unclear. Like you know, one of our our former MSNBC colleagues, Lawrence O'Donnell, was always uh, you know 
years ago, another cycle when Trump was going to run, you know, called him out for the fact that he didn't want his finances to be shown because he right. doesn't really have the money. So part of me thought about that and thought, well, maybe that'll end up being the the thing that that undo, uh, undoes him, mm-hmm. or maybe. Um, you know, who knows, but it was hard to, uh, to fully understand how the impact that he was having. Right. Um, because sure you, there were part of us that thought he's ridiculous. Who would vote for this guy? And, and to be fair, while I may not agree with many of the other, any of the other Republican candidates, they certainly seem to present, um, stronger options in terms of what I think, what you would think of as a president, put it that way. Um, but it started to become, as he was winning the primaries, now I will tell you at that same time, it was also clear that this media narrative that assumed Hillary was going to win was problematic because as you know, voting is emotional. It is not rational for most people and you never know what can happen. And I think people believe that now more than they ever, maybe ever did. But, you know, you can't take anything for granted. And genuinely, we were not taking anything for granted. Um, I'm, I disagree with some of how the strategy played out uh, and where resources may have been put. Um, but certainly, that w- we were not a campaign who assumed that she was going to win because it was we knew it was going to be hard. And so as Trump started to gain steam and it was clear that he was not playing by any kind of rules or norms or decorum around how people would interact that okay this is going to be out of bounds so we're going to have to be fighting out of bounds but again and you know I think we've seen this in his presidency there's such somebody said this the other day with when the Iran attack happened uh, uh you know, back when the Iran attack happened, that, you know, there's such a barrage from Trump all the time. Sometimes it's actually hard to stop and say, this is meaningful. This, it actually matters if we go to war with Iran and we could be on the brink of war and we need to stop and pause and and understand that for a moment because it's hard sometimes when he's lobbing all these tweets about, you know, all these other things. So when he shows up at the debate with the women who had accused the president. So I will tell you, so that day, you remember what they first did was a a press, kind of a press conference Mm -hmm. and nobody would air it, uh, but they live streamed it. And, you know, I I will tell you, uh, Jennifer Palmieri had asked me in the very beginning of the campaign, you know, kind of to, as someone who had worked for the Clintons for so long, think back, you know, what are all the things that could, you know, come up? And I pulled out Juanita Broderick and all these things. And she thought, and, you know, we kind of had this back and forth, like, no, come on. And then to see these women there, you know, was just stunning. And then we were, started to hear that he was going to try to have them in the hall. They were supposed to sit in the front row. And we thought, no way, no way, no way. He, I mean, that just is beyond the pale. And they didn't sit, end up sitting in the front row, but they did end up sitting, I believe, as I recall, with because you have a certain number of family seats. And, you know, it was appalling. But, I, but I, again, I don't think Hillary got enough credit for I mean, she went on to have what I believe was a perfect um, debate performance. With though, you know, she had to just shut all that out and stay focused on the task at hand. And 
I don't, you know, if you ask people, how, would you be able to do that w- with your daughter there, with your, you know, remembering that pain? I mean, you know, one of the things I do think sometimes people don't remember is, you know, President Clinton was impeached. I mean, he, there was accountability for what he did, and they had to live that out in a very public, you know, a very public way, something that's so private and painful. So to have him, you know, kind of not just rip the Band-Aid off, but kind of go in there with a jackhammer <laughs> was just, you know, but again, by that point, it was clear we are not, this is we're, this is not a campaign like any you've ever done. This is not a campaign where this man cares about anything other than winning at all costs. Um, and as we saw, even at the, uh, if it meant stoking racism, misogyny, even if it meant people getting hurt. And that, I will tell you, was more shocking, I think, than anything else. Some of the events where people were actually getting into fights. Do you, do you think that he is a unique historical figure who is sort of alone in being able to push those buttons and other candidates in his supporters um, or is this something new that we will see again? So I think it's a combination. I think, you know, he is an, he is, someone compared him what to, he's a snake oil salesman, right? He know yeah. he's, he's a good marketer. He understands that's, you know, the art of the deal, right? I mean, that's the brand sort that of. he built. Sort of. Well, but we know the brand. The marketing was very the good. The branding. And the branding was very good. The, the actual negotiation has proven no. to be nothing. I mean, he's a terrible business person. Right. And at the time in 2016, nobody really cared about that because the brand was so intriguing to people. Um, so I think the, the, it's a combination of that and a media environment, I mean, where Twitter is, and he under, has mastered how to use it, how to get suck people in and into a back and forth. Um, and I think he also, you know, I tried, it's, you know, if you didn't grow up in New York and I spent the first part of my life in New York and I remember Trump as someone who, was a he, joke. he was, yeah, but he, and he was kind of an outsider in the elite, right? Definitely. Well, see, always outer borough, always a Queens guy in Manhattan trying to be bigger than he was. Exactly. Trying to hang out with the cool kids, right? And so he understood how to speak to that kind of grievance agenda uh, that people were having. And then you combine that with, you know, what Steve Bannon talks about with the, you know, this disaffected young white men, right? And so he understood how to exploit that in people by and then to blame it, it's not your fault, it's those Mexican people's fault, it's those women's fault. They're taking your jobs, they're ruining your life. And you know, it did it at a time when we are, you know, we are in the midst of, I hope, a positive cultural shift that I believe started with Obama's presidency in terms of, you know, yes, we, power it, dynamics are shifting. Black people, brown people, women, we are ascending in power. We're not going anywhere, by the way, I always like to say to people, and that's not going to change. This may be a temporary um, going back to then maybe go forward. It's how I view the Trump presidency. But he kind of came in at a moment when the demographics of the future hadn't quite manifested enough in in the vote, right? And took advantage of the demographics in terms of, you know, getting more aggrieved white voters out, 
Yep. And again, as I said, giving them an excuse to say it's not your fault. And instead of saying, you know, it's not your fault, it's not their fault. We just got to create more jobs and we got to pay people better. Uh, you know, he went back to that scapegoating people. Do you look at him as a great campaigner? No. No, I mean he he does Does he not in some ways. I mean, like he activated voters in a deeply emotional way. He brought out voters who had not been voting. I think about the marketing aspect. Yeah. You are lucky as a candidate to get one phrase that sticks, hope and change. He had like five, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's like one of those songs that has like five hooks that oh. like Beyonce comes up with like once every 10, like you don't have a five hook song. Like Beyonce, like oh, I can make that like once in a while. Um, you know, I mean, even your grandmother knows about single ladies, right? I mean, you know, he like five of the, and as much as I hate him, I know exactly what drain the swamp means emotionally. I know what build the wall means. I know what. MAGA means, Um, you know, even as I disagree, I'm like, Jesus Christ, he had like a lot. I mean, he knew how. But it wasn't just him. I don't want to give him. I mean, remember. He's the one who's saying these things. Right. But he, so his delivery was good. But, you know, remember that build a wall was never intended to be a whole policy. His people gave him that because he was so bad at remembering to talk about things. But then it worked. Okay, but what worked, I mean, he would say it and the... What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus get in loser Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated PG-13 wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free like the positive response yeah. he got, right? But so, you talk about he was he was able. It's hard at some point when he makes so many right choices to continue to say he's an idiot savant, right? I mean, like a lot of white voters were concerned about we will soon be a minority majority country. Guess what? We already are. Thanks so much to Karen for an awesome interview. And thanks to you for listening. Join us over at patreon.com slash for more from Karen, including this. What was the hardest moment for you guys as a campaign? Um, 
because there were so many. <laughs> there were so many I'm tough, tough, tough yeah. blows. I imagine you know the day Comey comes out, you guys are probably like, you've got to be kidding, you know. Or the day the 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 flu thing after the nine eleven memorial comes yeah. out, you're like, you've got to be kidding, you know. I mean, there were so many days. I'm sure you guys were like, oh my god, like what 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 do you remember as like, wow, you know, part of it, there. There was a point at which I remember it might have been during the debates and it wasn't, there wasn't, I mean, there were certainly very specific moments, which I can talk about, but in my own mind, there was a moment where I just felt like this woman is just not going to get a fair shot at this. Hmm. They are just not going to let her have a, you know, they are going to make her, you know, her hands bleed trying to make this happen. And if you listen to what she was talking about, if you really looked at her record and who she is and what she'd done, um, you could you you can't. You, there's no comparison between her and Donald Trump. None. Um, it's part of why you may remember during the campaign, I worked very hard to get the story about her trip to Dothan, Alabama, as a twenty-something-year-old woman. Uh, to deal with the segregated academies that were kind of the outgrowth as part of the way that in the South, they were trying to not desegregate schools. Um, You know, there's just so many moments like that from her life that were, that just, that tells you more about who she is. And it just felt like we're just not, they don't care who she really is. I would say certainly when Comey came out the first time, um, it was shocking and uh, Brian Fallon, who was our press secretary, who had worked at the Department of Justice under Eric Holder, I remember looking at him and saying, like, this is not normal. This isn't, right? This is crazy. What's happening? You're not supposed to do this. Um, and then when, he, yeah, when he came out again, just a couple weeks before, that was shocking. Um, and I think we've since recognized that Comey has not great judgment about these things and certainly has his own self-aggrandizement issues. Um, He too was working on the calculus that she's probably going to win. Yes. So this will be better for, uh, for, for us in looking like fairness because he didn't say we're also investigating him. That's right. That's exactly right. Because you didn't think he was going to win. So she's working against the expectation of, that which, I'm going to win. Which is, again, a reminder, you cannot ever assume anything, right? We right. cannot take it for granted. That and more right now if you join us at patreon.com slash Show. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Please leave a review on iTunes and talk about the show on social. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our booker is Claudia Jean. Our editor is Ryan Woodhull. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing people because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, 
Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.